When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. is meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Psychologically Minded. My name is Grace Fowler, and today's episode is about the movie Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. So like I have mentioned before, I'm continuing on my theme of Women's History Month, focusing on media or subjects that have to do with women. Um, and Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, I think, is a perfect movie for this week uh, and it's or this month in particular. And it really focuses on female friendships, older women, uh, gender roles, all of the good stuff that I think goes along with the theme uh, of the last month. This is another movie that I rec- highly recommend you going to watch on your own if you haven't seen it yet, either before you listen to this or after you do it. Uh, I think it's really similar to Booksmart in that there's a lot of it that I might not be able to describe in this episode, but it is uh, really good. It's a really good film, really funny, um, and I I highly recommend it. Um, So if you haven't seen it before, just know that this episode will have a lot of spoilers um, for the film. So before I get into like kind of the synopsis of the film, I wanted to talk about kind of some details behind the making of the film, because I think the nature of how the film came about uh, has a lot to do with why the message is so powerful. So this movie was supposed to come out in 2020 during the pandemic, uh, and it was pushed to 2021 and ended up being one of those movies that came out straight to streaming and never had a theatrical release. So I think that has contributed to this movie maybe not having the like reputation or earning back or earning the money that that maybe it, it could have earned with a, a like cinematic release. Um, and so the, the writers who are behind the movie and the, the characters are Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo. So these two women are writing partners. And if you've ever seen the movie Bridesmaids, they wrote that movie together uh, and Kristen Wiig starred in it. So I think the r- cool thing about this movie is that the two women are friends in real life they've worked together for a really long time and this is I think one of the first times we get to see Annie specifically like in a role like this and they're playing friends uh in the movie as like their friendship is kind of the the main focus of the movie so I thought it was really cool that these women have worked together for a really long time and now they are doing a movie in which they get to be friends who have been friends with each other for for a very long time and I think there is Although the movie is quite absurd, I think there is a, a kind of a hint of maybe an autobiographical or just a hint at maybe some of the issues these women have gone through being friends for a very long time that they are communicating to us uh, through the characters of Barb and Star. And I do bring up the, the comparison to Bridesmaids because I did see quite a few reviews when I was preparing for this episode that compared this movie to Bridesmaids rather unfavorably. And talked about how in Bridesmaids, the 
main characters were going through issues related to like being adult women, ma- navigating relationships in your like early 30s uh, with other women and, and romantic relationships. Um, and the that Bridesmaids is seen, although it is a comedy, is seen to maybe be a little bit more serious and like dealing with these topics in a more serious way where reviewers were saying that Barb and Star, go to Vista Vilt Omar, was like silly and maybe not addressing the issues of being women in your 40s, navigating these relationships not as like respectfully or as seriously as Bridesmaid had. And I push back against that because I think that Barb and Star as characters and as a film um, really do treat some of these things quite seriously. And one of the biggest conflicts in the film is Barb and Star kind of trying to figure out how to maintain their friendship in a way that is healthy for both of them while also allowing for independence. And these are women who, you know, have come from the Midwest. They are going out on a trip somewhere on the coast that they've never been to. And I think it is quite a, a, a loving portrait of maybe, you know, like older women or middle-aged women who, who are coming from this area of the country. And although it is silly and there are things that they do that you are as the audience are intended to laugh at, I get the sense from these characters that Annie and Kristen really care about them and really hold them to be very special um, and that there is like a respect for this like kind of culture uh, or this like time in a woman's life um, and that the two women are are kind of maybe reflecting on their own experiences through through these roles. So I, I just wanted to acknowledge that at the top of the episode because I think it is and I'll talk about this more after I, I go through the synopsis but I think there is something to be said about criticisms of media for women that it's silly or it's not serious enough and that not every piece of media created by women or for women has to be like bridesmaids or has to be like a certain way for it to be important. Okay, so with all that being said, uh, let me give a quick synopsis of the movie and then I'll go through some of the themes and things, you know, that I found were kind of psychologically interesting about the film. So the film starts off with us meeting Barb, who's played by Annie Mamolo, and Star, who's played by Kristen Wiig. And Star is short for Starbara. (laughs) And Barb is short for Barbara, uh, which I think is just so funny. Uh, The two are middle-aged women who live in Nebraska. So Barb's husband recently passed away during a Black Friday stampede. um, And Star's husband left her for a new woman who had better feet than her because her hus- her ex-husband was a foot fetishist. So now the two live alone. Well, they live together in, in the same bedroom and they have the same job. They have the same friends. They're pretty much always doing the same things together. So we see that the two of them have kind of fallen into this rut. They're really stuck in the same routine and they are eventually let go from their job that they had together And they really just kind of feel kind of like at the end of their rope, like there's not much left to do. And we also see that the two have been friends for so long that they know everything about each other. And they, they, you know, although they care about each other very much, they struggle to carry on a conversation. So as they're kind of leaving their firing, they run into a friend who tells them, we just that she just went to Vista Del Mar. She's like tan, glowing. She's telling them all about this like resort which is for like middle-aged older people to like 
go and have a Florida time. Um, so she's, she's telling them all about this vacation she just went on and Barb and Star are like, you know what? It's time that we do something for ourselves and do something kind of like unexpected. So they book the trip, they get on the plane and they take their way down to Florida. Um, but simultaneously in the film, we meet the main villain, Sharon, who is also played by Kristen Wiig, just in a very different costume. Um, and we see that Sharon is plotting her revenge against the town, the resort town of Vista del Mar. Uh, as a child, Sharon was bullied for being very pale skinned and being sensitive to the sun. Uh, Cause it, it's kind of presented that Sharon has a skin condition, like al- al- I think it's albinism. Uh, and so she looks very pale and, you know, isn't able to spend time in the sun, which, if you grew up in a town like Vista del Mar, that's <laughs> kind of an issue um, and is not going to allow you to, to like socialize in the same way. And there's, you know, we see some flashbacks where uh, she, as a child, as a teenager, was at an, at an event at the resort where Barb and Star are going. And in a Carrie-like reference is crowned the shrimp queen and then kind of devastated and humiliated in front of her peers. So her intention is to... Uh, take revenge against this resort in this town because of what happened to her as a teenager. And Sharon's plan to go after Vista Del Mar is to use a form of mosquito who can be controlled by like a remote signal uh, so that they will swarm and attack and uh, they'll kill people. They're like deadly mosquitoes. So that's her her big plan. Um, So ahead of her uh, plan to send the mosquito. She sends her henchman Edgar, who's played by Jamie Dornan, uh, to go out, out and kind of set up and facilitate the plan. So Edgar and Barb and Star are getting to the resort at the same time. And w- one thing that is like kind of a big plot point is that Edgar is like madly in love with Sharon and wants to be in a committed relationship with her. In fact, he calls it being an official couple, and he's always asking her about when they will become an official couple. And Sharon kind of uses this to get Edgar to do what she wants him to do by always dangling the possibility of the becoming an official couple like over his head. So Edgar is like heartsick at the resort, Barb and Star trying to, you know, kind of shake off the funk of their lives. So they, they all end up in this resort, like in these, these different spaces. Uh, they meet up at the hotel bar just by accident and they're given a like fishbowl drink where in the fishbowl is like a little treasure chest and in the treasure chest are three pills which appear to be like some sort of drug like molly or ecstasy um so they they drink this whole fishbowl and then take the pills and so barb star and edgar go on this like all night long drug filled romp they it is implied that maybe they they have an orgy all together it's not really <laughs> clear but they do all wake up stacked on top of each other in in the bed like uh, literally on top of each other in a pile um and barb and star both become infatuated with edgar but are afraid to tell each other about their feelings for him and this is kind of the beginning of this main conflict that i mentioned before of them trying to figure out how to like be individuals but also still be in this very close friendship so as they're kind of figuring out uh their feelings they they both kind of sneak behind each other's backs to spend time with edgar uh barb realizes that she's not really physically attracted to edgar but she through meeting him and talking to him she has learned that 
there's things in her life that she really wants to do that she hasn't hadn't been able to you know living in Nebraska being married to the same man for a very long time um, and now that he has passed and she's kind of in this new phase in her life she wants to kind of branch out and try some different things and at the same time as star is kind of sneaking around she realizes that she is very physically attracted to J- uh, to Jamie <laughs> to Edgar um and that she wants to kind of pursue a new romantic relationship after being so devastated by her husband leaving her and there i think there is something to say there uh for star and edgar where star is you know kind of feeling this validation of like she is a, an attractive woman like she can you know, quote unquote, keep a man's attention um, after this like kind of very traumatic and public humiliation she went through where her husband left her for someone he deemed to be more attractive. So through through the course of this, uh, after Barb kind of realizes that she doesn't like Edgar, she wants to kind of come clean to Star and tell her, you know, what's been going on. But uh, as she's on her way to do that, she catches Star and Edgar having sex uh, on the balcony and she's like devastated that Star had kept a secret from her. Um, and this kind of really pushes the two women apart and they're they for a while they have really they have a lot of trouble kind of reconciling around this and there's there's a big fight about it uh barb also had overheard edgar talking to sharon and discovers the evil plan and tries to warn star but star is so consumed with edgar that she just doesn't listen to barb um and they're not and they uh, you know are fighting and they're not able to kind of come together uh and and figure out a way to stop this really weird plan uh sharon eventually arrives at the resort ready to implement her evil plan and realizes that star and barb are have been like not messing around with but have been spending time with edgar which has interfered with their plan and she kind of rounds them up to uh punish them so she takes them to the cliff she wants to drive them off of a cliff uh the two women are still we're still fighting but they're like last moments they're they're kind of clutching to each other and as they jump off the cliff their culottes, which is their big wavy pants, catch the air and they like gently float down to the to the land and are saved. Um, during their fall, they kind of reconcile. It's like a very silly, silly situation, but they do reconcile and they rejoin Edgar to stop Sharon. Um, and then through some magical realism, which I will not uh, spoil for you if you haven't seen it, uh, including a there's a woman who lives in the sea, but again, you'll have to see what that's about if you watch the movie. Uh, the two are able to stop Sharon's plan and convince her to be her friend. And they finally get to go on the big banana ride in the sea that they've been waiting to do for the whole trip. And so that is the main plot of Barb and Star. Uh, like I said before, it, it is really, really silly. Uh, there's like tons of celebrity cameos. Andy Garcia shows up to be like, the mysterious Tommy Bahama man who helps Andy get her mojo back. Like there's just Damon Wayans is in it. Damon Wayans Jr. Like there's just, there's a lot of uh, people who kind of show up um, and are like really great comedian actors or, uh, you know, are there for a joke. Uh, and like every scene is packed with puns. If you look in the background, all the shop names always have a pun title. Uh, there's like a lounge singer who all of the songs he sings are about boobs it's just like there's a lot of silliness, but like I mentioned before, it's not just silly. like there's still content there aside from the jokes and the puns. And I think the film really balances the silliness with these intense moments of the women wrestling with their identities because we get a break from some of these hard feelings or 
realizations. Um, and like, you know, for example, like I mentioned with Barb, you know, after she realizes that she's not romantically attracted to Edgar, she kind of realizes like she's kind of having a midlife crisis and realizes, you know, she really changed a lot about herself or put a lot of herself on hold for her life in Nebraska with her husband. And now that he's passed away, she really has to wrestle with not only her grief at losing him, but also who does she want to be now that she doesn't have to put herself on hold anymore for this life she thought she was going to live? Who does she want to be and what does she want to do? And, you know, and then that kicks off into some silliness where we see her doing things like smoking pot. She's like running around parasailing, like she's doing everything she can think of that you would do at a resort. That's all also giving the audience a break from these kind of really like heavy issues of you know wrestling with identity and and with grief and you know I think it's it's quite clear in the film that Barb would have loved to do these things with her husband and you know she's no longer able to do that um and that but there is still a necessity for her to develop her own identity her own interests and to do the things that she wants to do also, the, the movie really shows that everyone gets a second chance and is like kind of worthy of redemption. So like I mentioned at the end of the film, Sharon, the villain, basically Barb and Star tell her like they will be her friend if it means that she will not, you know, unleash these mosquitoes. And the two women offer her that after they learn her story that she was, you know, like bullied and, and didn't have any friends. And they basically hear her story and identify her need and are able to see kind of like how this person's past experience is influencing their current behavior. And that if the two women can kind of fulfill a a need that Sharon has had all these years, then maybe she doesn't have to do her kind of evil behavior or evil plan. And and I thought it was really nice the film doesn't make anyone like a, a mega villain that we are able to make connections between like past experiences and current behaviors and, you know, make hold people responsible. Like Sharon should not release these mosquitoes onto the resort, uh, but also have some compassion and understanding. And that even someone who appears to be a villain and appears to be hatching all these evil plans um, can be redeemed and kind of, kind of have a chance to tell their story and maybe get their needs met in a, in a different way than they were going about it before. And I know that this is probably a very like a therapist answer, uh, but that's what we do here. I'm psychologically minded. Um, but I think it's important to have experiences, examples in media of this kind of redemption or this connection between past experiences, current behavior, and that the solution to some of these problems doesn't have to be like an epic battle. Uh, it doesn't have to even include violence or confrontation. Not not no confrontation, but it doesn't have to include violence or conflict. Um, and that, you know, Barb and Star did essentially confront Sharon on her plan and what she was going through. Um, but instead of just fighting her, they offered a solution that the two of them could could do that would meaningfully change this person's life. So Again, you know, it's like it has the veneer of this very silly, frivolous movie, but I, I think it has some some good uh, themes in it or some good messages. And, you know, inherent in kind of this last situation with uh, Sharon, it's that it shows that everybody needs a friend, right? And that Barb and Star 
obviously know that their friendship with each other is so important, but they not only have to figure out who they are in relationship with each other, but have to figure out how to extend that value and that friendship outside of themselves and into other people. And I think that is the crux of, of this film is is this the kind of the commentary it has on female friendships. Um, and, you know, again, like I mentioned, I wanted to do this episode for this month because of its focus on women created by women. And I think this fits in really nicely with what I was talking about in Booksmart about female friendships, but we're seeing it from a different developmental pr- perspective, right? So in Booksmart, those girls were 17, 18. They had only known each other as children going through the like very difficult time of adolescence with less experience and less time with each other. Um, and, you know, they had to go through a very difficult journey and have a, a big rupture and then figure out how to repair that and move forward as they started a new developmental stage. Now, Barb and Star have been friends for a very long time, have moved through multiple developmental stages and milestones with each other like they've both been married they've lost people ended relationships you know had jobs lost jobs those are just the things that happen in the first like five minutes of the movie uh but you know they've gone through uh, a very a very long life with each other and they've seen each other progress through this life but the problem that barb and star are coming up to is rather that they have stagnated that both of the women individually and within their friendship have felt that they've kind of hit a point where they're not growing, they're not changing, and they're not adapting anymore. And that is where they're feeling this kind of distress. That's where the dissatisfaction they're having with their life is coming from. Um, And although I think most of the time in real life, taking a trip to Vista Del Mar, especially somewhere in Florida, (laughs) is not going to necessarily change your life as radically as it happens in this film. I think that the inherent message in that is that uh, sometimes we are just so stuck in a rut that we just literally physically need a new experience to kind of shake us out of our groove and give us something to to have to adapt to, right? To have to change for, uh, to see if we can make a change that we want to continue taking with us into the rest of our lives after this experience is over because you know barb and star can't live in vista del mar they have a home to return to uh you know this is just a trip but what about their time in vista del mar can they kind of take with them as they go back home and as they they move through their lives so that's the first thing that that is different but i think so interesting about barb and star is these are women in different developmental stages they're much older they've gone through a lot of different milestones and events in their lifetime. And as they, they've kind of hit a point in their life where they're not old, right? They're not like retirement age or they're not, uh, you know, elderly, <laughs> uh, but they, they aren't young anymore. Right. And so they're, they're kind of, they're middle-aged, right? No, 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 right in the middle. <laughs> uh, but they, they are at this point where they kind of have to decide like, who do they want to be for kind of the rest of their lives? They're, they're almost like they're, they're hitting a pivot point where they're setting the tone for the rest of their lives. And they could very well have made the choice to stay in Nebraska, to not change at all, to, you know, still sleep in the same room together and have the same conversation about like Mr. Peanut, which is, <laughs> you know, you know, you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel if, if all you could talk about with your best friend is, 
is Mr. Peanut. Um, and they also have to, they're, they're making the decision of, will they remain basically codependent with each other or will they be able to have a sense of independence and be interdependent, right? Be able to depend on each other, but also stand on their own when the time comes. Um, but ultimately I think that the film demonstrates that they prioritize their friendship over other things like romantic pursuits, right? Like star star has to come to terms with how she hurt Barb with the way that she acted. And Barb has to understand that, you know, this is, this is what the stage that star is at wanting a romantic relationship. And even if that's not what Barb wants, that there has to be space for star to, to figure that out. Um, but the reason why their friendship almost falls apart in Mr. Del Mar is that they're hiding secrets from each other, right? Hiding their interactions with Edgar, uh, uh, Barb kind of hiding what she's been up to from Star really drives the, the two of them apart. And I think demonstrates that we can get so complacent in relationships, right? Whether it's with your best friend, whether it's with your partner, but we can get so complacent that we are unable to handle change. And so the idea of telling your partner, telling your friend, you know, I'm doing something different or I want to try this thing or I had a different opinion than you can feel so scary because it's going against kind of the status quo you've established in the relationship. And so I really like that by the end of the movie, kind of the resolution is that the two women have come to find out what they need for themselves, like star needs or wants to pursue Edgar Barb wants to kind of pursue some new adventures like maybe traveling or parasailing again um, but they can still come back together um, and this makes me think of attachment like I've talked about before that's my thing um, and one of the things in attachment is that the idea of a secure base right so I may have talked about this before but the secure base is that person in your life, typically a partner or a parent, depending on like how old we are or kind of like what our relationship status is, but that secure person that no matter where you've been, what you've done throughout the day, how far you've traveled, you kind of come back to them. And when you come back to them, you feel like a sense of safety, a sense of relief and relaxation. Uh, and you're kind of able to like re-regulate yourself maybe uh, after all of the adventures that you've been on. And so I think Star and Barb get to this point where they realize that they don't have to be together 24-7 to experience that security, that the the like separating and coming back to each other probably only strengthens their security in each other, but the that security requires like transparency, right? Like you have to kind of know that the other person left to do something and and be open about where you've gone so that when you come back together there can be that that reunification that is like a joyful experience right um so i i like that before the trip we see them as really enmeshed really unable to survive without the other but after the trip they're kind of starting to grow their own legs and with them being more middle-aged characters i think it shows us that this can happen to us at any time right it's not just in like your 20s when maybe you form like a really intense relationship with a partner or in adolescence when you're like same sex or same gender or platonic friendships are like the most important thing to you right and you you like can't imagine living without this person um this can happen to us when we're older right and i don't know if barb and star have the have the same like intensity to their feelings with each other that like i don't know if they would like fall apart 
or fight with each other in quite the same way that we saw in Booksmart. But there, I think there was something to show that they had this like dependence on each other. Um, and we get to see them transform and take the very powerful connection that they have with each other, but branch out from it and use it as a security and a source of support rather than as the only thing in their lives. Because, uh, you know, sometimes we need a little spice. We need to spice it up. Uh, and, you know, like I mentioned, they, they, they talk about Mr. Peanut. It's like, yeah, when you don't go do things apart from each other, you don't have anything to talk about. I don't know how many of you live with like a partner or live with a close friend or even family. Uh, and like during the pandemic, when especially at the beginning, when everything shut down, it was like we had nothing to talk about. Right. It's like, what show did you watch? Well, we watched the same shows together because there's only one TV in here, <laughs> you know, or like, what'd you do today? Oh, I, went, I walked around the block. Oh, I did too. Well, I saw a bluebird. Well, oh, I saw a red bird. <laughs> right. There's like nothing to talk about. And so getting to like go off to your own thing helps you to come back to the relationship with like something to contribute or something kind of exciting to, to go through and process together. So all of that to say, you know, obviously female friendship is like such a big piece of this plan, of this, this movie. Uh, and I, I personally really like the message that it brings. And again, it's wrapped up in a nice silly package. So I think it goes down uh, really easy. Now, there's also some interesting things about like gender roles that I think get portrayed in this film. Um, like I mentioned, Edgar, the, the male character who is in love with Sharon is, uh, portrayed to be like desperate for commitment like his ultimate goal is to commit to this woman uh which i think is really counter to how we usually see men shown in media where who are like typically shown to be commitment adverse and edgar although sometimes i think this quality in him is played up as a joke of like the (laughs) the consistent like the phrase official couple is just used so so much that it almost becomes like nonsense uh, but it's, pl- it's played up a little bit as a joke of like this, you know, this is a man who's just like so desperate to to be official and to like have the title boyfriend. But it, it also is shown as like Edgar is kind of like mistreated by Sharon because of his desire for commitment and that she kind of uses that to manipulate him to do what she wants and to, to go through with her evil plan. And she's so focused on her evil plan that she has like no time for romance or relationships um, and so she really is just using it as a way to string him along. Um, and so, again, even though it, it's it's played up to be like a joke, like there's a whole song where he's running around on the beach, like singing about uh, his heart and like how, how broken hearted he is. Um, it also, I think, is shown that one, there can be, there are men who want to be in committed relationships. There are people in general, whether it's men or women or anyone in between, who don't want to be in committed relationships. And there's the potential to for manipulation when the partners have different ideas of what the relationship should look like. And and I think that the, the relationship between Sharon and Edgar really highlights what a kind of toxic or manipulative relationship can look like. And they're flipping the script by having it be a... Uh, a woman who's not wanting commitment and a man who does it I think it can help make the message a little more maybe receptive or less feel like a trope and more let, allow us to think about it um and so you know like I've mentioned before I'm not giving advice uh, or treatment here but 
if you find yourself in a relationship where you want one thing, especially when it pertains to the outcome of the relationship, right? You want one thing, like a certain type of commitment and the other person does not, but they're telling you, if you do X, Y, and Z, then maybe I will give you the commitment you're looking for. That is, in my opinion, a a type of manipulation. So if you find yourself in that situation, it's good to like ask for help, maybe seek out someone like a counselor that you can speak to about that situation because there's nothing, nothing good is going to come of that, right? If the person you are with, like in this case, Sharon and Edgar, right? Sharon has no intention of becoming an official couple with Edgar, like at all. Like she makes that very clear throughout the film. She barely even seems interested in him when uh, outside of like her commands for him. But he is just like so, so convinced. Like this means so much to him that he will do anything for her. But there is no intention from her, even though she keeps promising it, that she's going to follow through with these things. And so it just is like a recipe for heartbreak. And in contrast, when Edgar meets Star, like she is really into him, you know, on one hand, physically, because he's an attractive man to her, but also like she's interested in him. She wants to know like what he's into, what he likes to do, like what, how his day was, you know, like, like Star is interested in him as a person. And that causes a lot of conflict for Edgar because he like is so committed to this other woman, but is starting to see, oh, there's a different way I could be treated. Like I could be treated really nicely um, and I could, you know, get kind of what I want out of a relationship with someone like Star versus someone like Sharon. And that, that causes him a lot of distress. He's like really struggling with it. And again, it's it's portrayed to be really silly, like him struggling with his very pale girlfriend who hates him and this like middle-aged sparkly woman from Nebraska, uh, you know, that's uh, who are both played by the same actor. Uh, but I think there is some, some wisdom there or, or some things that we can kind of glean from that situation. Um, and, you know, kind of conversely or not conversely, but along with this kind of gender flip where we see the male character being shown to be commitment oriented, um, the women, in the film are clearly like older, like, like Barb and Star are, are older women. Um, but there's never any like fretting about their age or their expression of their sexuality, right? There's never any like, like Star is just like having fun with Edgar. Like she's just like kind of, she's doing what she wants to do, right? They, they all take the ecstasy <laughs> at the beginning of their time at the resort. There's no like, this isn't right for a lady or this isn't what it should be. And both of them throughout their, um, throughout the film kind of get to again explore their identities outside of their age right it's not seen as like a hindrance uh but is seen as just a part just a part of who they are as they're going through these experiences but not like a defining part of who they are um and I, i i really see that star kind of going all in with edgar you know hooking up with him left and right is an ex a corrective experience for her from her divorce where she was basically getting the message that she's like washed up and too old for her husband. And so he left her for like, you know, quote unquote, younger, newer model. But with Edgar, she's getting this experience where she's valued for who she is. She's seen to be attractive for who she is. He's interested in her for who she is. Um, I don't know how many different ways I can say that. <laughs> but, you know, she like he's Edgar is drawn to star. 
and she doesn't have to be a certain age or look a certain way. Like he's just interested in, in who she is. And, you know, of course in the entire film, they're running around with these like perms and they're always wearing visors and, you know, they, they dress like moms from the Midwest. Uh, but I, I think it's really cute. I like some of the outfits. Um, but all that to say, I, I like this idea that we can have older women who obviously had, had more experiences, have just lived life but the joke isn't how old they are, right? The joke isn't that they're like grotesque because of their age or their bodies. Um, more of the joke is like their silly outfits that they're always wearing culottes or that they're, um, you know, they've never done some of the experiences that they've, they're going through, right? Like they've never taken drugs, so they don't know what to do about it. Uh, but the joke is never, or at least I never perceived it to be like, oh, they're old and and there's nothing like, their age is going to keep them from doing this. The film I think is a very, again, like a loving kind of reflection on what it's like to be a woman in your forties going through some kind of like identity crisis or, or changes. Um, so that's really all I have to say about Barb and star. Uh, aside from it's just like, honestly, one of my favorite movies when I saw it last year, I saw it re- pretty recently after it had come out. I just was so tickled by it. I thought it was so fresh, so unique it is really weird. Like I, I can't hide that. It is a really, really weird movie. Um, but it's endearing. I think it's like a, there's a silliness to it, but there also are some, there's some intensity to it and it balances between the, the two very well. And you, you get a break from the intensity, but then you go back to the silliness. So that's all I have for this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. I thank you as always for listening all the way to the end. Just another reminder that over on the Instagram account, which is linked in the show notes, I am doing a weekly post about um, psychologists or women in the field who are psychologists who, you know, made advancements. This week will be Martha Bernal, who was one of the first Latina American uh, psychologists who really advocated for students of color joining graduate programs. Um, her work is, is really important. So go give a follow to the Instagram account. I'm also on Twitter with the uh, show account. Uh, and I do post updates there if the episodes are going to be delayed. So that's uh, another place you can go to check out if I have to push an episode like I did uh, last week. Um, But yeah, with all that said, uh, we have one more episode of Women's History, uh, which will be out next week. uh, And I will see you in the next one. Bye-bye. To see the sources and resources mentioned in the episode, visit psychologicallymindedpod.com or click the link in the show notes. To contact me with any questions or comments about this topic or upcoming episodes, email me at psychmindedpod at gmail.com. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you and see you in the next episode.